Hey, if you have a Bible, Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to be today. We always put the scripture up on the screen. Uh, you can also look it up on your app, your device. And if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love for you to have a copy. So we have Bibles and baskets around here and then also on the tables in the back. And so grab one of those and bring it home and break it in. That's our gift to you. We're in the middle of a, a summer teaching series that we're calling Summer Fruit. Uh, really looking at Galatians chapter 5 and what's referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says that the fruit of the Spirit are, hopefully you're beginning to memorize them and work on those. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you're really struggling with memorizing those, hey, our kiddos will teach you. They've been learning a song where they've memorized the fruits of the Spirit. And so that gets sung all over my house, danced to all over my house. And uh, while we're learning the fruits of the Spirit in here, they're learning the fruit of the Spirit uh, in there. And so what is the root of the fruit? The root of the fruit is the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit of God within you, that when you become a believer, at that moment that you become a believer, the Bible tells us that God, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence within you. And so now it is your role to grow and to mature and to feed the Spirit of God within you and allow Him to to allow you to, to bear fruit. And so you have the old nature that is not completely eradicated until the day that we then go to be with the Lord, and we're in this body that Paul refers to as a tent, and a tent is a temporary dwelling, so we're in this tent for a while in our flesh, but also indwelled by God the Holy Spirit. And so one of our ladies uh, gave me this really great poem that I thought I would uh, share with you, just highlighting that, that struggle. We'll put it up on the screen for you. This is, this is a really helpful poem, and, and it goes like this. It says, Two natures beat within my breast. The one is cursed, the one is blessed. One I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. I thought that was really helpful. That we have the flesh and we have the spirit. These two natures and the one we feed is the one that will dominate. You can feed your flesh, the desires of the flesh. Or you can feed that Spirit of God within you. And so you're here, and so I'm assuming you're desiring to feed the Spirit of God within you. And so uh, this morning's fruit that we're going to look at, we're not going in order. This morning's fruit that we're going to look at is the fruit joy. And the book of Philippians, as you've already opened up there by now, is the book on joy. It is the book on joy. In, in, In fact, here's an assignment. I've given you all kinds of assignments. Here's your assignment this week, is to read the four chapters of the book of Philippians. And I think it'll just be really helpful for you as we focus this week together on joy. Uh, this month for my family has been a big birthday month. This season of the year is a big birthday season, but this month in particular is a big birthday month. The beginning of the month, my wife had her birthday. She turned 22 years old, right? And uh, then my uh, son uh, on Tuesday turned 10, and then I uh, turned officially older than Jesus on um, Wednesday. And so it's not too late to buy me a birthday present, just letting you know. Uh, but no, kidding. Uh, I actually had the best birthday present a person could possibly get, and that was I saw 20 to 30 teenagers give their lives to Jesus on my birthday on Wednesday. And so that was really, really, really cool. And so uh, I'm telling you, uh, what this means this, this month of the year means that there's just a lot of gifts and a lot of gift buying, right? And a lot of, if we're not careful, seeking joy in receiving 
gifts. And, and on my side of the family, or, or my family, uh, on both my side and on my wife's side, our kids are the first of the, the kids, the grandkids, cousins on both sides. And, and so what that means is when it comes to holidays and it comes to birthdays, the gifts just, they just keep coming and coming and coming. And we just have to kind of tell our kids, listen, it is so much more than the gifts and try to really train them not to be uh, spoiled, rotten brats. And it also means that my siblings' kids are going to be gypped, right? Because all of my kids just got all the, the love. But for birthdays, they've just been lavished, lavished, just all kinds of material things. And, and now here we are, the, the week after, kind of hitting with my, my oldest son that, that post-birthday lull. You remember that? Or maybe more vivid was the post-Christmas lull where you get all these gifts and then it's just, okay, now what do I do with myself? Things start to break, especially last year we noticed everything we bought from Five Below was broken the next day. And so all the stocking stuff, all that was just, just broken. Or, or the, the gifts that come with different parts, they're all lost at that point, you know. And so we're kind of hitting that, that post-birthday lull. And I don't want to insult your, your intellect because I know that you know that we don't find joy in the stuff that we receive. I know we know that, but don't we still occasionally from time to time just try to get a little something out of the stuff that we receive, the stuff that we, we, we get. And, and so we might try to get a quick fix from uh, just a compulsive purchase or, or a quick fix from just some indulgence of, of some kind of food or, or, or drink or an experience like a movie or a concert or a, a game or vacation just to, to escape from reality. And, and time to time we will use these things to pursue joy even though we know that that's not where joy comes from. And, and I, I've been thinking this week and, and studying a little bit and, and I think there are really three big places where we seek to, to find joy. We, we, we seek to find joy in stuff. We seek to find joy in situations and we seek to find joy in successes. And again, stuff. I don't want to insult your, your intellect. I, I know most of us see passes, but we do. Don't we time to time still try to, to find joy in stuff? Again, it might be the occasional pers- purchase where we're looking for a fix or, or a feeling and then you get it and it just, there's something missing still. It didn't quite do it for you or a, a drink or a car or that apartment. If I can just get that apartment, it'll just give me what I need or that manicure, you know, I don't know, gives you that feeling or that, that trip or that dinner out, just some, maybe it's some big purchase or some kind of small purchase, but we know all the stuff doesn't satisfy, but we, we still, we still try and it doesn't really give us a, a deep seated joy. And if you have, you find that deep seated joy, it can actually save your finances. Anybody experience that? I, I've talked to people who before coming to Christ, they, they were spending money like crazy on things to try to fill something. And then they came to Christ and had a relationship with Jesus. And they found that they no longer needed to, and it, it actually helped them in the area of their, their finances. Now, there are a couple of other places, as I said, that I think we, uh, maybe more often, we who are mature, like to, to go and, and try to find joy. And in our culture, these are, are seen as more noble these are, these are more acceptable. We don't want to be shallow, but even in our, our culture, these are, are more acceptable. And so one of them is, is situations, right? We, if I can get myself into this situation, or if I can get myself out of this situation, then I'll, 
I'll have joy. And that situation for you may be a, a relationship. Maybe if I, can just, if I can just get in a relationship, I just really want to have a relationship with somebody. I want companionship. Understandable, God made you for that. He wired you for relationship. Or if I can just get married, or, or, or for some people, it's if I can get out of this terrible marriage that I'm in, or I can get out of this terrible relationship I'm in. Jerry Maguire got it all wrong, though. You don't complete me. My wife doesn't even complete me, right? If I'm looking for my wife to complete me and not Jesus to complete me, I'm getting things from my wife or seeking things from my wife that she can't ultimately give and leads to disappointment and frustration, right? And so we might look to relationships and then maybe we keep going and we find that that doesn't quite do it forever. And so we seek to have kids and maybe, maybe kids will do that. Maybe your family will complete you. Your family will give you joy, but have you ever seen a child whose parents are trying to derive all of that out of them, something that they can't give, and then they find that they become messed up in their later years of life because of parents seeking to, to, to get stuff from them that they're ultimately not able to give? It's, it's not fair to a child. We believe in the doctrine of original sin. David says, in sin, my mother conceived me, that the children are born with a sin nature. And so you're going to find parents that you're going to have a kid and, and though you're looking for just true and rich joy from them, there, there, there's happiness and there's blessing that comes from that. But your kid is going to disappoint you and frustrate you and make life a little bit crazy at times, not calm and, and simple and joyful, but, but challenging. So we might look to other relationships to to find joy, dating, friendship, yeah, family, business relationships. If I can just get into that company, I can be happy. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. Other people, maybe a, a situation they try to find themselves in is if I can get into that program, if I can get on that educational track, if I can get that career, I can get that next step up, then I'll be happy. But you find that that, that happiness only goes so far and the joy that's deep and seated can never be grasp as you keep pursuing one thing after the other after the other if I can be free from pain and trial and and difficulty or or cancer if I can live that lifestyle we keep trying for various situations and you're going to find that it's not going to bring real and lasting joy it won't and you put people in unfair positions where you're actually manipulating them and trying to use them to get for yourself and that's not how God designed relationships to be and so situations don't work and so one other place we look to find joy I think is successes we try to be successful in career we try to be successful in family development if I can raise my kids well we we try to find joy and success in our involvement in the community if I can be really civically minded we try to find success in education try to find success in our own personal health and 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 fitness we try to find success in religious effort if I can do this and this and this and and not struggle here and have victory over here uh, and, and maybe I'll please God and God will be happy it's that 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 attempt to, to be successful in whatever it may be, that, that drive that ultimately doesn't lead to joy. Because joy doesn't come from external efforts. Joy comes from an internal effortlessness you'll find when you find 
joy. I want to I show you something. I found this photo on uh, Better Home and Garden. Um, this, is, this is nice, huh? I mean, look at that home on the right. Wouldn't you like to live there? I mean, that just, that's, a, that's a beautiful place, and uh, it looks nice. The, they have a nice home. It's very well organized, as you can tell. The books are all straight. They get glass on the countertop, even though they have a little two-year-old over there. And uh, they've got these chia pets growing on the back of their sofa that their perfect little two-year-old would never, ever knock over. And uh, it's just a happy couple with a, a happy marriage and a happy two-year-old and a, a beautiful house, organized, and just nice stuff nice situation, and it says that she's successful. I don't know if you can read it up there on the, on the right, but it says, with a wildly popular blog and product lines, a growing daughter, and a home that truly fits her lifestyle, Joy Chow has found her happy place. She, she's found her happy place. She's got the marriage. She's got the kid. She's got the house. She's got the stuff. She's got the situation. Life is very, very well organized. And her name is Joy. And so joy and happiness go, go hand in hand. But joy and happiness are two very different things. Happiness has everything to do with the external and with effort. And it comes from this external work, an external situation. But joy comes from this internal effortlessness. There's hope for you. I believe that your house can be cluttered and you can have joy. I believe that your two-year-old can be out of control and driving you bonkers and you can have joy. I believe that your marriage can be even struggling a little bit and you can still have joy. I believe that you can't even own, you might not even own a place and you can still have joy. You might not look, live in a swanky neighborhood like that one. You might live in a, a, a kind of a grimy place and you can, you can still have joy because joy isn't all this external. Joy is this this internal and wherever you find yourself you can still have joy been thinking through this and looking at scripture all week and I've noticed that the stuff and the situation and successes all involve motion they all involve movement what what stuff is coming at me or or success where am I going or or situation where am I placed Yes, you can try to place yourself, in, but there's some situations where you didn't place yourself there. Circumstances around you got you there. Some things that are out of your control. And so it all involves, it all involves movement. And, and you can't control the variables, these, these moving, changing variables. But you can control the constant. You can't control the, the variables or, or the various places, life circumstances you find yourself in. Even some of your successes, yes, you worked hard, but there were also some circumstances around you and maybe some luck involved as well that helped get you there. You cannot say in our culture that if everybody works exactly the hardest, the, the, the same place, they're both going to be able to get to the exact place in life. There are various issues that, that prevent that from happening. And so variables, but you can control the constant. That, that is the, the constant placement of your heart, where you place your heart in the midst of things that are moving and changing that are out of your control. Let me show you this in Philippians chapter 1, this book on joy, the book on joy. And so let's read verses 1 through 4. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi 
with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. We'll stop there. This is the, the thesis. This is the, the foundational statement on the entire book of Philippians, the book on joy. And, and Paul and Timothy are, are writing this church at Philippi, and it says, and specifically her, her leaders. And, and we see the, the placement of Paul's heart as we read this foundational statement on the book on on joy. He says, every time I think about you, in every prayer of mine, in all my prayers for you, my prayers are made with what? My prayers are made with joy. So let's dissect this, this opening thought on the joy book. What are the variables? What are, what are the variables? The, the what? What exactly is he praying for? Well, well that, that changes because he says in every prayer of mine, every time I pray, in all my prayers for you, in various ways he says it. Those, those things change. The, the what that he's praying about for them. He's prayed numerous times for them, he says. He says in all those different situations, I, I, I'm praying. Those, those are some variables. Another variable is the where, like where he's praying for them at. He moves and he's traveling. And so he first is praying for them in the book of Acts 10 years earlier in Acts chapter 16 when the church of Philippi is birthed. He's praying alongside of a riverbank and then he's praying with them and, and the church grows and he's praying with them and then he gets locked up for a while and he's praying for them just down the road from them at the prison. God busts him out of the prison and now he's praying with them again and then he goes and travels and he, he's praying in different places. And, and now here he's locked up and he's writing right now from, from prison. So the what, what he's praying about is a variable that's changing because their situation is changing. Where he's at, when he's praying for them is changing. And yet it's amazing how right now writing from prison, I mean the great irony of this is that he's writing the book on joy from prison for sharing his faith. And so there are all kinds of variables there's other variables as you, you flip through the book and maybe you'll, you'll take me up and you'll read it this week. Uh, the variables, he talks about his finances. He talks about his food when he doesn't have food. He talks about uh, success in ministry and, and low seasons of ministry. He, he talks about having sorrow upon sorrow, just different difficult situations coming at him, uh, various sorrows. He says, whether I'm living or I'm, I, I'm dying and I'm dead. These are just all variables that he points out through the book. Stuff, situation, successes. Can't control the variable, but you can control the constant. And what is the constant? He says in all of this, every prayer, every situation, wherever I'm praying that prayer from, it's made with joy. Through each prayer, each situation, success or failure in ministry, with or without, I pray my prayers with joy. I always have joy, Paul says. That, that's, a, that's a constant. Listen, I want you to hear that joy is freedom. Joy is freedom. Can I give you a, a working definition for joy? Here's a working definition that we use for joy. Joy is a deep and firm freedom to hope and delight in the Lord. And we might add to that, to hope and delight in the Lord despite whatever it may be that you're going through. It's a, a deep, firm, unshakable freedom to hope and delight in the Lord. It, it's freedom. And look again at, at the first half of verse 1. 
Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. You could take that word, you could also translate it from the original language also to slaves. Slaves of Christ Jesus. So we've got Paul and Timothy, his, his ministry associate who joins him in on this greeting. And they refer to themselves as slaves, as servants. Yet you're telling me, Josh, that joy is freedom? There's freedom, even though he's referring to himself as a servant. Paul's in prison for Christ as well. He's facing execution as you read on. He says, Christ is going to be honored in my body by life or by death. To live as Christ, to die is gain. He's been beaten. He's in prison, looming death. He has every reason to be completely miserable in our own understanding. But Paul's example to us in the, the letter is that I may be in chains, but I'm free in Christ. I may be in chains, but I'm not enslaved to anything or anyone but Christ. And Christ is the perfect master. So if you're enslaved to Christ, it's the best situation. In fact, we're all enslaved to something. You can choose to be enslaved to Jesus or you can be enslaved to something else in life. Largely our circumstances think is one of the major things that we find ourselves enslaved to in life. In other words, if you find your joy in your stuff, you're enslaved to your stuff. You ever been there? If I have this, I'm good. If I don't have this, I am an absolute mess. And if you're enslaved to your stuff, when your stuff fails you, whether it breaks or it doesn't fill you up or, or money is tight, your joy is gone. You finally get the high life. You finally get the car you want and the child you want and his bike scratches the side of your car. It's, it's a struggle. If you find your joy in successes, you're a slave to success and that level of success that you finally attained isn't enough and you've got to go more and you've got to go more and you've got to go more and your family falls apart or you get stressed out and anxious and medicated and just a mess. It's interesting the culture we live in today. If you find your joy in your situation, you're, you're enslaved to always only being in a good situation or you have no joy. So you lose your job, you lose your joy. Don't get into that program, you don't get joy. Your health fades, your joy fades. Someone dies, your joy dies. And I'll preach this till I'm blue in the face because one of my primary responsibilities as a pastor and as a, a, a preacher is to prepare you for the reality that life is going to be difficult. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You might. Hopefully not. No, you will have tribulation. Take heart. I've overcome the world. So it's coming, or maybe you're in it right now, or maybe you're out of it, and you're finally just able to catch your breath from getting kicked in the gut by life. But it's just the nature of living in a sinful, fallen, broken world is that you're going to suffer and have challenges and difficult circumstances in various seasons of your life in varying degrees. But the good news is Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. I've made a way for restoration. I've made a way for redemption. I, I've, I've fixed this whole thing that I came to earth as a man. I lived in your shoes and I died the death that you deserved on that cross 
and then I was buried, and I came back to life three days later so that if you trust in me, the, the one who has substituted his life and death for you and ascended to the Father, I'm seated on my throne as king. If you would trust in me as king of kings and lord of lords, you can be freed from all of this. Eternally, yes. So when this world is over, you're there. And that's all secured and as good as done. But also, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the difficulty, I have freedom for you. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It's all going to be gone. All of that that you're feeling. And so, your joy needs to be in Jesus and not in these circumstances that will come and will go and will come again and will go and will come again and will go, but ultimately will be all wiped away should you trust in Jesus. So there's a day that he has already appointed for you, for all of that to be gone. He knows the day you're going to be born. He knows the day that you're going to die. And you'll be free from all of this that we're feeling and experiencing while we're in our earthly tents as we talked about a while ago. So you can know that and you can be confident of that. You can have a relationship with Jesus. You can be made right with God by trusting, placing faith in what Jesus has done and turn from independence, what we think is independence, and turn to dependence on him and be made right with God. And until that day comes that is appointed, we bear fruit. We bear fruit. And I've told you the mistake that we make so often when looking at the fruit of the Spirit is we think about it only in terms of ourselves. I want joy. I want peace. I want to be patient. I want to experience love and goodness and kindness. And yet it's fruit. And fruit is born not for the tree. Fruit is born for the picking, right? Fruit is born designed to be picked. And so when you have joy, it makes you a better friend. When you have joy, it makes you a better spouse, a better father, a better mother, a better coworker, a better neighbor, a better person who's equipped by God to reach our world with the love and the hope and the message of Jesus. God wants you to have joy. Yes, you enjoy joy, but God also wants you to have joy so that you can be joy to our world and so that as people bite into the fruit, they see the seed in the fruit and you get to share the reason for the hope that you have, which is Jesus. And as you look at at Paul's intro to his book on joy, it's so clear that his joy that he has internally within himself is also uniquely designed by God to be a blessing, to be fruit that is born for others. I'm praying for you. And I just want you to know that as I'm praying for you, my joy is overflowing for you. See how they're encouraged at his joy? That's how God's designed it. It's a benefit for us. It's a benefit for others. And it glorifies the Lord. I want to look at just for the last couple of minutes together, I want to look at one final passage, and we'll put it on the screen there. It's, it's Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. I just want to look at 1, 2, and, and 3. It's been said that, that the Psalms are vertical, 
and that the Proverbs are horizontal. In other words, the Psalms are with regards to your relationship with God. And so you have the psalmist uh, giving us songs to sing to God, prayers to pray to God. And the Proverbs are more that practical, how you interact with other people. And, and, and so this is with regards to us and, and, and God. And so let, let's read it. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers." I love this passage. This is of unique significance to my wife and I because when her dad in his late 20s became a believer, this was the first passage that, that uh, a brother uh, now in Christ uh, was sharing with him and walking him through. And he memorized this and he always talks about how it just impacted his heart. But I love this passage. It, it talks about being blessed, a blessed man or a woman of God. Blessed or, or joyful is the person who, and then watch this, it gives the movement again says, blessed is the, is the man, not the one who walks here or stands there or sits there. All the variables, the situations, the successes and the this, this stuff and what's coming at you or where you're going and the uncomfortable positions you've been put in. Not the variables, but the constant. Blessed is the man who is what? He is planted as he meditates day and night. He's in a constant place. His heart is right here with the Lord, meditating on the law of the Lord. That is the, the scriptures, the truth of God and, and who God is. He says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in, in season. That his heart is right here, planted by the stream, the source that is the Lord. And so as we have all these moving parts all around us, all these variables that move around us, the constant is where you place your heart, where you choose to place your heart, what you feed, what your roots are receiving. And here he says, blessed and joyful is the one who receives the law of the Lord, that is the truth of God, a relationship with God. This is how he speaks to us. This is how we communicate with him in prayer and receiving his word. And so I want to just close by asking all of us, where is our heart at? Where is our heart at? Is our heart moving with the changing variables all around us? Is our heart moving when, when, when we get stuff and we're chasing after stuff? being impacted by stuff? Is, is our heart uh, moving around with our successes and trying to chase things in life? Is our heart being moved when we're moved and our, our, our situations change all around us? Or is our heart a decision of, I am going to be planted right here. I'm going to put my heart right here and I'm going to be close to God so that I'm firmly planted and things are moving all around me. The wind is blowing, leaves are falling, but I'm planted right here. I'm planted firmly with the Lord. And what does he say? And I'm bearing fruit, yielding fruit in season. You see how God can't, he, he can't. In scriptures, you read the scripture, he just can't separate 
our relationship with him and our mission. He, he, he never separates our salvation and our mission. You are to be one who receives life and sustenance from God, but you're also to be one who bears fruit for others in season. He takes the disciples and he, when he first finds them, they're fishermen, and, and he goes up to them and he says, I want you to drop everything and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Salvation and mission always go hand in hand. I want you to be firmly planted, but I want you to be bearing fruit. I want you to enjoy the joy that I have to give you, but I also want that joy to cause other people to receive the fruit, inquire of the reason for the hope that you have. And it's both, salvation and mission. But Christian, it's your responsibility to be planted, to be the constant. I'm constantly going to the Lord I'm not going to my life circumstances that will change, that are variables. I'm going to go to the Lord. He's going to be my constant. He's going to be my sustenance. He's where I derive my joy. So let me give us a minute, if I can, just to assess our own hearts. Would you close your eyes? We like to do this around here. I just always want to encourage you to respond to the scriptures. I want to encourage you to assess your own hearts. And so as your eyes are closed and just getting distractions out of the room as best as you can. Where is your heart planted right now? Or is your heart not firmly planted? Because your heart is going with the variables. Success and stuff and life situations doesn't mean that stuff doesn't hurt when it's hard. doesn't mean that it doesn't give you some happiness when it's good. What God is saying is I, I want you to have this deep-seated freedom that I call joy so that as those things change, you can be constantly full of joy and hope and delight in me. So that you could be in prison. So that you could be body just overcome by cancer. You could lose a loved one. You could have a, a challenging marriage. You could have kids that you're, you're, you're having difficulty with. You could have a job that, that's, that's kind of shaky. Finances that are, are not rock solid. Relationships that you're working through. But you can still have joy. still trust and hope and delight in the Lord. And Christian, if that's you, that's what you want, it's not what you have at the moment, I would encourage you to confess and to turn back to God. Not that he ever left you, he never leaves you, never forsakes you once you're his. But we do tend to go after our circumstances and maybe you just need to come back. And say, God, I want to plant my heart right beside you. And I confess that I've been chasing things and variables that aren't what you would have me to chase. You talk to God. And I want to talk to others of us in this room. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You never received that, that message that I shared about how Jesus came to earth and lived in your shoes, 
was not sinless, but died the death of a sinner, taking your punishment on himself, coming back to life, saying, if you would trust in me and and what I've done, you can be made right with God because I've paid the punishment. If that's you, that's, that's the starting point for joy. So I would encourage you to, in the best way you know how, call upon the name of Jesus and receive a relationship with Christ. Turn from independence from Him, which is sin, and turn to dependence, faith, and trust in Jesus. And then let somebody know. God, we love you. We thank you that you have given us your truth and your scriptures. We pray, Father, that you would allow us to be a people who have that deep-seated freedom of joy that comes in Jesus and then a constant relationship planted with Jesus. And so do your work in our midst as we respond and as we sing and as we celebrate and as we go out hugging and praying and talking to our friends in Christ. Do your work in our midst, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.